Hi, and welcome back to the Legal Diaries podcast. I'm your host, Danny. I'm a recently qualified barrister who works in human rights and public interest law, and I also do some consultancy on the side, as well as running the website www.legaldiaries.ie and the Instagram page at legaldiaries.ie. On the podcast, we dive deep into all things health, fitness, mindset, studying, habits, dating, and career, and probably so much more. I will aim to bring you the tools and actionable steps to smash your goals, inspire you to take bold action, and above all else, put yourself first. Good morning, good evening, or good afternoon, wherever you may be. It is evening time here on a Thursday. Happy Thursday, everyone. And I just wanted to say a big welcome back to another Legal Diaries podcast. So today I'm going to be joined by the wonderful Sarah, who is behind the lady behind the sustainability strategy, and also the person who is pushing forward the Love Local campaign, which we will be chatting all about today. I'm also going to be joined by Love's Jewels. Um, it's a jewellery company and I'm going to be joined by the wonderful founder, Laura. Um... Yeah, so everyone, welcome back to another Legal Diaries podcast. As I just mentioned, I'm going to be joined by the wonderful Sarah and Laura. So I'm going to hand over to these ladies to maybe just introduce themselves and speak about their career so far. So if we start with Sarah first. Hi, how are you doing? Thank you very much for having me on. Um, I'm hopefully I don't uh, come across too nervous now, but thank you very much. Uh, I'll just give a little quick introduction. Uh, my name is Sarah Keane, and I am the creator behind the Sustainability Strategy, which is a website which I launched back in July uh, 2020 during, uh, I suppose, uh, during COVID 19, and the website is set up. To, for two reasons. Um, I wanted to bring awareness that sustainability doesn't just equal the environment um, and to try and I suppose highlight the level of greenwashing that is going on at the moment and also um, the other reason for doing it is to really promote that every small change makes a world of difference. So when it comes to sustainability uh, I found there's a lot of pressure being put on people around making changes and there's enough things going on in people's lives at the moment and the key thing with the website and why I set up my Instagram page, uh, shameless plug, Sarah underscore Jane underscore Keen, is to help people who want to make changes but not feel pressurized into making changes and just giving them the correct education and um, the correct information whether it be scientific or whether it be legal in, around sustainability and that they can make the choices themselves and not feel bad for making certain choices that everybody, no matter what you do, whether it's small or big, uh, when it comes to sustainability, every single change that you make um, is so important. So that was kind of my, my, key, my key goal when I set up the website. And uh, yeah, I suppose it's been going really, really well. Uh, I know I've had a few people question me and go like, what's your background in sustainability or why should I come to you and, and that kind of thing. And I suppose uh, 
I have worked in environmental and sustainability management for over five years now. It's gone so quickly. And my career is in uh, management systems. So I have been fortunate enough to, to travel the world and travel all over Ireland and uh, work with different organizations with sustainability and environmental management. And um, I would deem to be an expert in environmental um, and different sustainability laws in Europe. And yeah, just really want to get information out to people that you don't need to feel pressurized when it comes to sustainability. So, uh, and just give them the, the proper tools that are out there as well. And uh, hopefully feed some of my education that I have gotten throughout the years and be able to share it with people. So yeah, that's, that's really, that's really it. Amazing. I feel like I have a bit of imposter syndrome here because I am not nearly as qualified in anything environmental or sustainable um, as the wonderful Sarah. But I think that that's, that's the really key piece. It's, I think there's a lot of sustainability shame um, in society in terms of, well, why aren't you doing everything and you need to go the whole hog if you're only going to do that little bit and why are you even trying anyway yeah so i i think that that having that platform there and that was the kind of the idea behind the sustainability hub and wanting me wanting to focus on it myself my own platform for september so i think it's it's really good to see kind of your platform and other platforms out there like that mm. echoing that message yeah, I there seems to be so many people now talking about it and I am re really happy to see there has been a bit of a, a change towards the pressures because there was a long period of time where I felt that people, there was a lot of pressure and people being shamed for for not doing enough and what I always say at the end of the day is when it comes to sustainability, there is nobody, no matter what they do, I have a full-time career in it, I've studied it, and I am far from sustainability perfect. Like nobody out there is sustainability perfect. Um, we all just do the best that we can do. And um, yeah, it's great to kind of see there is a bit of a movement and exactly what you have said. Uh, you've set up the sustainability hub and you're doing these podcasts now in September and you're bringing on great guests and 100% no shame towards not doing things correctly. It's just about sharing information and that's, really the the goal because you're not going to make changes if we feel pressurized or feel guilty about doing something you're only going to make the change if you want to do it and um yeah it, yeah it's been really good i, I think it, there has been 100 percent to change uh but there's still a lot of work that needs to be done around making people i suppose aware of sustainability and uh the the changes that are available to them because sometimes people can't make changes um so things like Maybe you can't change the amount of driving that you're doing for a living, but maybe you can change the amount of shopping that you're doing in um, high streets, etc. So there's loads of options out there for people. It's just finding the most sustainable options for you is it's kind of the key when it comes to sustainability, I believe. Yeah, I think definitely like it, as, as cheesy as it sounds, like being sustainable needs to be sustainable for your lifestyle exactly. in order for it to be achievable. Um, perfect. So um, I might just hand over to Laura if you just want to introduce yourself to the podcast, maybe tell us a bit about your your wonderful um, business, which I just came across through Sarah. Um, and yeah, and just kind of introduce yourself. Hi Danny, um, as I said my name is Laura and I am the founder of Love Jewels, um, it's an online e-commerce website, um, I started off on Instagram, it is an Instagram 
um, born business and then I went over to having a website and I founded Love Jewels back in June of 2017. So just the summer gone there during COVID, we celebrated towards year. So it's just, I'm saying we, but it's actually just me, I'm one man band. <laughs> so um, I initially set up my business following on from my own journey. Um, I had been on a weight loss journey and I had created my bracelet for myself and I was adding a bead on every time I lost a pound. People in my group well, were asking me about it. What are you doing every week? And I was putting the, taking out my little bag of beads and it just kind of grew from there. And I just kind of, I was, I was already in full-time employment, but I wanted to help other people and that's where it all started off. I'm now working at this full-time and really enjoying it. And it, it has kind of just organically grown over time. Um, it's no longer, the main purpose is no longer weight loss. Um, it, it kind of organically grew. People are using it for all sorts of reasons. And I myself use it for my own um, cancer journey now. So every time I have a positive checkup, I put a bead on to remind myself how far I've come. Um, other women have used it for anxiety-free days, cigarette-free days, um, clearing deaths. The, the list is endless. There's so many different reasons people are using it now. So I love the fact that it's helping so many different people on so many different journeys. And I suppose um, to, to bring in where the sustainability comes into it, I initially started off with a bracelet that I was importing, but I wanted something local. So I went through a number of jewellers. You wouldn't believe many jewellers I had to go through to find somebody who could do what I wanted. And um, I eventually found Janice Bourne, who's a local goldsmith here in Dublin. And she was an absolute pleasure to work with. And she now handcrafts the one bead at a time bracelet for me. And we've went on then to develop some charms, again, handcrafted by, by Janice. So I now have a product that is created local. Um, and handcrafted local and I um, I find now that yeah okay so I do have other things in, in the pipeline but at the moment I'm just really concentrating on the, the one bead at a time in sterling silver but people are asking me for you know other materials but I want to I want to kind of be you know what how would you say reduce the amount of products I have. I don't want to have too many products. You know, I want to kind of be um, lean about it. And I have reduced my carbon footprint drastically in not importing anymore. And I feel like it's good to actually give back to other small businesses in the community, such as Janice. And I try to get all of my printing done locally. I buy my packaging locally, um, my stickers, everything. I just try to buy it off other small businesses in Ireland. And um, so far I've been able to source everything. We have so many good small businesses in Ireland. Um, and I think I've gotten an awful lot of very, very useful information from Sarah, um, from following her, as she said, since 2018. And I would actually probably not have, I definitely wouldn't have as much knowledge or have been able to become as eco-friendly if I hadn't been for Sarah's knowledge and um, she has helped me greatly so thanks Sarah. Oh, thank you very much. That's amazing like I just obviously I came across your business through Sarah but it's so simple but yet so empowering 
like I'm like I'm in love with it like I'm just like it's so simple and it's it, it's born from something that meant something to you as well so obviously then the business is really important to you and that's why you probably went to those great lengths to give back to the local community in terms of supporting local rather than importing in and um, but yeah no I'm like I definitely 100% like I'm probably just gonna go order something after this podcast um but yeah if we kind of if we you've all kind of you've both kind of touched on your journey with sustainability um and like in in terms of business or personal or career so if you could kind of sum up um what does sustainability mean to you um and then maybe if we keep with the same order so we start with sarah first and then if we hand over to laura yeah, great. Um, Laura, thank you so much for saying that as well. Um, that means an awful lot to me. Um, but I suppose, uh, Danny, when it comes to sustainability, I, I kind of touched on it there earlier. Sustainability, one of the key things that I wanted to get across with my website is sustainability does not equal the environment. Sustainability, there's three core pillars to sustainability. So the environment only makes up 33% of um sustainability so it's the environment you have um, the economic pillar which we're supporting local uh, ties in and then you have the social pillar which is about ethics human rights and um, social justice and in order to be fully sustainable you need to have need to ensure that all three of those pillars are are balanced and um yeah the, and that would be kind of the key thing that I, when i think of sustainability it's the it's the three pillars so i always use an example and i, I know you had on um two amazing guests last week uh, around um the around fashion and sustainable fashion and i always use to kind of try and break it down um i always use sustainable fashion as a good kind of method of talking to people about what sustainability means because i think a lot of people can associate with it so you have sustainable fashion and sustainable fashion would be a, a an umbrella term and then you have eco-conscious fashion which is maybe uh using less water using more uh, sustainable materials um then you'd have ethical fashion where it's made very ethically you know that there's no uh, child labor slave labor associated with the making of it um and then you have um slow fashion which falls in under the economic pillar so you're buying a lot less you are um it's it's maybe more it's local and you're supporting the local economy with it but together for fashion to be fully sustainable it needs to be eco-conscious it needs to be ethical and it needs to be um slow fashion basically or, or economically um sustainable and the three combined will make something fully sustainable so you can't say it's sustainable fashion until all three you know all three um, sections are ticked off. So a lot of the time you'll hear campaigns and say, oh, we're doing a sustainable campaign, but they might, uh, particularly again in the fashion industry, uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, fashion brands who say, oh, we're doing a sustainable brand, but really uh, they can't, calling it sustainable would be kind of a form of greenwashing because maybe there there's one line which is um, cutting back on uh, the environmental elements so they might be using less water or recycled material when making it but they're not saying how it's been made has it been ethically made and also is the quality good enough where you're going to be slowing down the amount that you're buying so really it's not sustainable fashion it's it's a an eco-conscious line within um, a fast fashion range but it wouldn't be sustainable 
So I really try to say when you're looking at sustainability to take into account the three pillars always. And if something, if you don't know or you can't identify with the three pillars, then it may not be fully sustainable. And um, that's how, that's how, if I'm trying to explain it to people, that, that's the way I, I feel um, I can get my, my message across easiest when, I'm, when I think about the word sustainability. Yeah, definitely. That's that's a really good model because it's something that I think everyone relates to. And it's actually something I'm going to touch on maybe later on in the podcast as well in particular. But I always think about it. Now, I'm a big United Nations junkie. Um, so I've done like model UN for years. But I always think about it in the framework and how I try to explain it to delegates in general is we might be talking about justice, but there's 17 sustainable development goals. And in order to achieve all sustainable development goals, you need to, like, it's not just one, like you take one off and then that one's done. They all, it has to be like a cohesive effort for all of them. Um, and I think that like, if you just look at the sustainable development goals, it's not all environment based. And I think people do get really kind of like, overly focused on the environment and obviously it is a very pressing issue but you can't have sustainable development in terms of the environment unless you're going to address like food waste and food poverty and uh, poverty in general and building up justice systems and building up economies so I think thinking of it in that kind of holistic manner is, is, is super interesting and I think it's a thing that people think they buy say I don't know, like H&M bring out their sustainable brand. People think they're buying sustainable clothing. But if you look at the company as a whole, mm-hmm. it, it's green. It is what you say. It's greenwashing. It doesn't tick all of the pillars. And I think I think that's that's really interesting. Mm. Yeah, for sure. You, you definitely hit the, the nail on the head with that. Um, and I, I don't believe it. that's down. It's, it's down to why people associate um, sustainability with the environment is because the environment element is the easiest element to kind of make changes in. So when a company or an organization makes makes a change, it's normally the environmental element that they will focus on because from a business point of view, it'll be the easiest instead of talking about how much you pay your employees or what kind of, what's your supply chain like, um, or um, I suppose whether you're uh, building an industry on, mass production etc it's easier to just because obviously you're going to want to make a profit it's easier just to tackle the environmental side so when organizations are marketing they're making um statements around the environment so people have automatically just put two and two together that sustainability equals the environment because that's how marketing has been done so um yeah i really like your analogy there on the 17 sustainable development goals because uh, again, if somebody came to me, I'd just be like, read them. It's a perfect summary. It's about justice. It's about equality. It's, it, it just really sums up sustainability. And um, yeah, it's, just, it's really just trying to, I suppose, help people move away from being caught up in marketing strategies. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, um, so we might hand over to, to Laura, just kind of to reflect on what sustainability maybe means to you personally and then even if you want to reflect from from a love jewels perspective from a business perspective as well yeah so personally for me um i think it's it's about what you're putting out into the world so like 
I know that sounds very cheesy, but you know, whatever, whenever I have birthday presents or Christmas presents to buy, I always buy from other small businesses that I've met through Instagram um, or local service businesses, like, you know, local people that do facials or whatever. If it's Mother's Day, it's always nice to support local. You can go and buy something on Amazon, but that's not to me sustainable because you're not putting the money back into your own community. Um, so to me personally, I think supporting your own local small communities is a sustainable way to help because it's something that you can continue and keep up. It's not something that's going to run out or not be possible forever. So that's my first thing. That was my first thing that I took away from Sarah's um, page when she started up. Uh, so it's great to be involved in that kind of a campaign with Love Local. Um, I think also from a business perspective, I think being very conscious of what I'm actually putting out there. I don't want to be, um, you know, putting out there too much or, or things that are not needed or tasks, basically, <laughs> for a better word. Um, so I've, I've made a really conscious decision just to reduce. I know when people buy stuff online and they do the, the opening of the box and it's all about the packaging and they love getting things in really nice packaging. But for me, I just try to limit the packaging as much as possible because I don't want to be putting unnecessary out there um, even if it is recyclable or whatever like if you can limit it and help what you're putting out there to be as little as possible or be as lean as possible um, that that to me is how my brand works and I, I really like even it's a it's a cost thing as well even personally and business in a business sense it's a cost issue as well you have to be willing to pay that bit extra for a good cause because there isn't really a better cause than your local community or your environment. Um, I mean, if I was if I was importing something and then adding a markup onto it and selling it on, um, for what I could do that for, it would cost me a pittance, which means somebody is getting paid even less than what I'm paying to, to make this product. And it's just it's just really unfair, you know. I mean, I, I've travelled to countries where manufacturing is their main thing and, you know, people are getting paid a pittance and working crazy long hours and probably children are involved. And it just, it just doesn't sit with me um, on a personal level. Or, I mean, the idea of shopping on Wish, I just, personally, I just don't do that. Like, it's, I would prefer to pay a premium, like, just to give you one example. You can buy stickers for your business, say on Wish or Alibaba or whatever, and it might cut you might it might cost you less than a cent for a sticker, or you can buy them locally and they'll be biodegradable, and it might cost you twenty cent for one sticker. Well, it just has to be something that you're willing to do and take a hit on for the bigger good. Um, it's just my view on it. Yeah, no, definitely, and I think one thing that um just while you're about speaking there that popped into my mind um was actually really interesting and it's very kind of like off topic, but, but on topic as well. Um, I recently, I was setting up my pension um, and I was the pension provider that I was setting it up with. I was speaking with my financial advisor and I asked if it was possible to only invest in sustainable or ethical companies, just as, a, as, as it, it was something I kind of wanted to do and like, cause I'm so passionate about um ethics and sustainability in general and i they basically came back to me and said although we'd love to be able to do this for you it's not possible because a company can be sustainable and ethical one day 
and then not be sustainable and ethical the next day. Um, and they explained it in the way they explained it was really interesting. And they were like, so a company might be really sustainable one day in the sense that they have all of these great investments, they have all of these um, like eco-friendly practices and stuff like that. And then they could set up or sell in a country that um, maybe it doesn't have the most ethical laws or the most, um, say, good employment regulations, or they might trade with a company or a country that does arms deals and everything like that. And I just find that a really interesting kind of look at sustainability. Like when I think when you when you go kind of overseas in particular, you don't know what you're buying into. Whereas mm -hmm. when you buy locally, um, you you really know what, what you're buying into um, and you know the story and everything behind it. And that that's something that we might reflect on later on when we talk about the Love Local campaign. But yeah, it just I it sounds like a really rambly notiony story, but I just it just made me think of when I contacted them. Um, so if anyone out there wants to just have their pension in ethical and sustainable uh, companies, it's not possible, which is really sad. Yeah, definitely. That's amazing to hear that. I would never have, now that you say it, that it makes a lot of sense. I would have assumed that's something that could be set up very easily. Um, but exactly, I suppose business is so fluid. It can change from minute to minute, or even if we saw what happened with during COVID-19, how things changed so much. Um, so that does make a lot of sense. Yeah, and it's a thing I never would have thought of. And they were just like, they just, they can't like administratively do it. Um, and even when you saw like, say a lot of kind of fast fashion businesses. So say the, the big ones that I would have picked during COVID and it came out was Boohoo and Nasty Gal and all those. And that was happening. I think people for some reason were really appalled by that because that was happening right on our doorstep. Like they had these factories in the UK, whereas anytime anyone ever thinks of those kind of fast, fast fashion factories, they think of the small, little factories in Africa or in China where people are being paid pittance there but this was literally on our doorstep and I think that's what shocked people quite a lot as well. No, for sure I received so much um my I that day when when that scandal I suppose broke I've never had so many dms um coming into my instagram um as on that day and people wanting to know more about fast fashion industry and how did this happen and why did it happen? And people were really, really shocked. And I, for myself, I've always just, with the fast fashion industry, it's just, I automatically associate with, um, I suppose, poor work, um, I suppose, work environments. Uh, so, but to think that it happened so close to our doorstep, it was shocking, but I suppose the, the thing is that it does happen regularly just because it's not close to us. It doesn't mean it's not happening, um, but, I have that, that day, the response, I've never seen so much messages come in to me about um, sustainability as I did that day when that, that story broke. But it's mental though, because I used to love Nasty Gal and it's so sad if you ever, like, I don't know if you're, you're familiar with the trajectory of the business. So it was, oh, it was owned and founded by Sophie Amoruso. And then it went into, I think, I don't know if it went fully into receivership, but basically she sold then to, to Boohoo and the company that kind of are over Boohoo and all those other fast fashion brands. 
but initially it was a very kind of cool concept it was vintage clothes um but she just started selling originally on ebay and she is the whole person behind that whole like like she has obviously the book girl boss and she has all of that other kind of girl boss kind of um different kind of associations with her so to see it go from like that originally something that originated on vintage clothes on ebay to sweatshops in the UK was just my and that that kind of is that reflection on when you have your pension provider you might have a company that was maybe somewhat sustainable one day but then the next day they go into receivership or bought by another company who isn't at all sustainable in their practices. No for sure that was actually very sad I thought that was um, like what you said to kind of see such a, a change but um, I think I think the the key thing with when it comes to businesses is um, it is a lot of the time like the number one goal for any business, no matter what they're going to say, is going to be profit. Um, but like what Laura was saying there, whether you're willing to lose a bit of profit for the sustainability or whether, which I suppose it's it's kind of balancing out the the priorities and the key objectives for the business. And obviously with the likes of Nasty Gal, the objectives did change. Um, which which was unfortunate, but again, as you said, it's probably it's it's not it's not going to be the first company that happens to, and it's not going to be the last. But I think it is important um, if we could have companies kind of focus more on sustainability and prioritize a little bit more in it, in their key objectives. Uh, we would see some some really good um, initiatives come down the line. But um, yeah, I think that that one that one was very sad. I did think. Yeah, no, definitely. And then, so this actually kind of brings me on to my talking about tackling fast fashion and um, having more sustainable companies and stuff. So I'm assuming both of you have seen the coverage over the um, Minister for Climate Change. I don't know. I can't remember the full title of the, I can never keep up with the departments because they change, obviously. Um, Obviously, they're bringing in the um, new kind of plan in terms of Ireland and sustainability and waste management and three big things that have come out of it that have been hot in the media have been the um, getting rid of the buy one get one free or those kind of bulk buying options in supermarkets and the putting levies on fast fashion Um, and there was another kind of big one that had come out but they're, they're kind of the two. The main one um, yeah. I wanted to particularly touch on was what are your views on that kind of strict approach of putting, say, levies on fast fashion? Um, and say even, um, Laura, from your own perspective, what, what, so say owning a business that is striving to be as sustainable as possible and as eco-friendly as possible, um, what would you do you agree with the levies on fast fashion or would you do you think it needs to be tackled in a different way i think i think at the moment it's kind of it's, it's very hard for all businesses so i don't really think that anybody would like to be hit with levies at the moment i don't necessarily know if levies on fast fashion would stop people from buying it I think they'd be probably better off putting their money into educating people yeah yeah like I I just it just reminds me of the sugar tax like the sugar tax 
when it was being talked about was the whole idea was to reduce consumption of sugary drinks to obviously like obesity rates and health issues and dietary health concerns. And like I, I'd say if you probably looked at the sales, they like most likely remain the same. Um, but my big concern, um, and I work with quite a lot of vulnerable people through my work, is I think it's going to hit the wrong group of people. Um, so I don't think it's, I think the, the incentive is good, but I think there's more kind of constructive ways of achieving what they want to achieve, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. 100%. Totally agree with you on that. My concern with it is that at the end of the day, when it comes to fast, fast fashion industries or such large organizations, they're going to make profits in the end. So who is going to be who's going to be affected by it? Is it going to be the manufacturer who's already, I suppose, in situations where there's poor work conditions and poor wages? Is it going to be them that's affected or is it going to be the customer who potentially could stop buying from them? And um, I don't think they're going to hit the, the potential customer, if, I, if I'm honest with it. Um, I think that they'll still make their profit through, um, and I don't know what, I, I can't see it being the, the customer that gets majorly affected by that but it would be nice for it to have a knock-on effect but I don't think the legislation where a lot of the manufacturing takes place isn't strong enough to protect the employee in that situation if they do make a change so I, I'd agree with you there Danny I think I, I would have concern over that as well particularly when it comes to the levy but um, I, I with it as well though I do always say to, to people and something I always put across on um, my page is that if fast fashion is your thing if you're into fashion and you love clothing and you enjoy keeping up with the trends and again you, the likes of you you can't afford designer but you want to keep on the trends and if you support fast fashion it isn't the, it's not it's not you can be sustainable in other ways as well that being a supporter of the fast fashion industry um it isn't it isn't terrible that you you can do if, if you want to do that, then you can try and make other sustainable changes. Um, and I do feel that the, the fast fashion industry is an area now, there is a lot of focus on it. And I do feel a lot of people, are, that's a particular area where people are being guilted a lot, is to be like, oh, don't support fast fashion and don't do this. But I do have a lot of concern about that as well, because then I feel like people are just going to completely turn their back completely on sustainability then. If they're getting so much pressure about the fast fashion and they love fashion, then they're going to be like, what's the point in doing anything else? So um, I always do try to get that across on, on my page that if you are a supporter of fast fashion um, and you are getting, if there's any kind of you feel that guilt out there, um, just look at other ways of being trying to be sustainable and, and giving back if you, if you can and try and maybe if you love fast fashion, maybe just look into the different brands first and see is there any that are a little bit more sustainable or any that any clothing brand out there which you know has good um work conditions for their employees etc but um yeah there seems to be a lot of focus on the fast fashion industry at the moment and uh it is it's interesting to see where what will happen with it but um yeah but i i do like to put out there that if, if you are a supporter of and you love clothes and you love buying off the likes of asos and boohoo don't be deterred from doing other sustainability um things as well because as I said, nobody's perfect when it comes to sustainability but maybe just be a little bit more aware that the clothes you're buying mightn't necessarily be the most, most ethically made. Yeah, definitely. And I think um, 
one thing um that that I just want to touch on that was kind of brought up there um you were saying that you don't think it's going to be necessarily the consumer that's going to be hit by these levies rather yeah, it's going to be so. people that's involved in say the production line and the manufacturers and stuff like that would you say in maybe Ireland in particular or even kind of sustainable companies like internationally that a number of consumers are costed out of the sustainable market so in terms of say to so say I was looking the other day at buying a sweatshirt and I was looking at a company um, an Irish-based company that have like uh, they're a sustainable fashion company they source local they do all this but a sweatshirt from them was like 80 euro whereas a sweatshirt from say the likes of like Boohoo and stuff like that and Nasty Girl like just thinking about it would probably come in at maybe 15 euro so do you what what do both of you think in terms of like do you think more needs to be done from a government level maybe in order to cut down on costs for because obviously it's it's just reflecting the cost in what it costs to source local and do all this and pay that little bit extra um so do you think would you agree that certain uh people are probably costed out of the sustainable market i'd say it would be difficult for the government to put in and try now may possibly but at the end of the day a lot of the where the the, the cost of making a product is is because you're paying the employees a fair wage and you're paying them um in line with with our, our government requirements if you're um and the the minimum payment so that's where it is it does become difficult because I don't know where the cut could be made, if I'm honest, if I think about it down the line. Um, and maybe Laura would be a good example of that when she's talking about her bracelets. Like at the end of the day, I'm sure she could get them much, much cheaper, but the employee might only be getting a small wage while the person who's making them now is getting a fair wage in line with Irish requirements. So um, I don't know, it, it would be a difficult one. I I feel like at the end of the day, Irish, anything which is made in Ireland as well, and I, made in small they tend to be made in smaller batches um so you're not doing the mass quantity and then therefore they tend to be better quality so that jumper that's 15 euro might only last you maybe five six washes while the jumper that's 80 euro might last you 10 years and um something that could eventually become vintage and passed down so it does there, there's a lot of different elements to it and i think for the government to make a change, me personally, and maybe Laura, she might be better to answer this, but I think it would be quite difficult for the government to make changes because there's a lot of factors to consider, not just one factor. There's there's quite a lot in relation to bulk made and material and just ensuring fair wages. So I, I think it could be difficult. I think it's just the model that's there. The fast fashion industry is the model to produce a lot, produce low quality and not get a lot of wear out of it and rebuy, rebuy, rebuy is the model. Um, while if you're buying from Irish businesses, that's not the same model. You're, you're comparing apples and oranges, really. Yeah, I can give you, the, I'll give you the actual example of my original bracelet versus my new bracelet. So my original bracelet, um, I have a few left on my website and when they're gone, that's it. I originally had it in four different types and now I've just got the one left and when that's gone, that's it. I'm not restocking it. I'm just going to concentrate on the better quality product. So I know I'm going to lose customers because not everybody can afford the better quality product. 
but that's what's in line with my business values. So I have to just accept that. So because I still want to help people, I have um, put some free supports, principles that they can do at home um, if, they, if they are priced out of it, because I don't want to exclude people at the same time. But my original bracelet that I imported, I could sell that, including post and package for 10 euro to your door. If I look at my new bracelet, including post and package, it's 54 euro. So that's quite a big jump. Um, but my original bracelet, you would get wear out of it, but eventually it will tarnish because it's a mixed metal that's plated. It's not built to last, so it's effectively fast fashion. Um, if you look at my new bracelet, it's sterling silver. So as long as you look after it and you clean it up every so often, it's not going to go anywhere. You can pass it on if you want to when you're finished with it. You know, it, it is actually quality. It's made to last and people come sentimental over them so that it's not something they do want to throw away anyway. But again, coming back to the price, not everybody can afford 54 euro. Maybe they need to wait for a birthday or Christmas, but the other bracelet was quite affordable, but realistically then in a few months time, they would have to replace it because it would tarnish. So you have to weigh up where your own values are too, as well as weighing up where your purse is priced at, you know? Um, like if I look at my younger sisters, they're in college now. I know they go to pre-marker pennies and buy hoodies because that's what's in their price range. So if as for the government, um, if they were to maybe do something like the only thing I could really think of off, top of off the top of my head would be no vat on slow fashion, for example. That's 23%. Yeah. That's, That's 23%. literally, yeah. Oh, sorry, Nora. No, that was just, I was just going to say that was the kind of incentive that I would be thinking of in terms of like, yeah, so for you to cut down and your suppliers to cut down on their costs. If they were able, if if you were able, I don't know, I don't even know how it work technically, but have a um, some kind of search for sustainable sustainability and that your values and your ethics and stuff for your company match up with it, that you would be able to avail of a lower cost of that. Um, but because I'm a small business. Um, I don't earn enough to register for VAT anyway, so that won't that would only really affect bigger businesses that do get to claim VAT back. I have to pay my VAT, I don't get to claim it back anyway. Um, but in saying that, you know, a lot of my suppliers are also small businesses, so they're not charging VAT either. So it's you know, that that's for me is working out fine. But for bigger companies, even if they got the 20% fat off an 80 euro hoodie was the example we were using, it's still not going to bring it into say people who are in college on maybe a Tesco weekend job wage um, that can afford a pre-mark hoodie for 15 euro, it's, it's not going to, the 23% wouldn't bridge the gap. So I think they would be better off to maybe think of something um, better to do with that money, maybe like educating people so that when they do qualify and have more money, maybe then they're in a better position to say, this is what I want to spend my money on. Yeah, no, definitely. And like, even from my own consumer perspective, um, clothes that I've bought kind of in the past year have been more, have been more expensive and more sustainable. But 
like I can think of a sweatshirt in particular, like I've literally spilt so much on it because I, I would throw it on each day um, and I put it through the wash so many times and it's still as soft on the inside, if that, if that makes sense. Like it still yeah. has that really nice comfy feel to it. Whereas like I've had other sweatshirts, like as everyone has from pennies or from wherever and they just they just don't last um as well and it's the same with I find shoes as well um I got into much earlier buying better quality and now more eco kind of processed shoes um but it's just they last longer as well and I know in the very first podcast um we had um one of the guests that was on was talking about a bag i can't remember the name of the company and it's a lot more expensive than buying your general kind of just satchel but she because she bought off them they have fully like open sustainable ethical business practices and then they also because they recognize the the higher level um of costs associated with that if anything happens to the bag, so say a strap breaks, they'll repair this for free. Um, so it's a bag for a lifetime, essentially. Um, and I thought that was that was really interesting. Yeah, definitely. That's amazing. That's a really good initiative. Um, yeah, that's, that's actually very good. I'll, I'll have to now go back. I know I heard that you talking about that in your um, in your podcast when I listened. So I'm going to have to go back and think of it because I didn't make a note of that company. Um, it would be great to see a lot of kind of companies be able to do that. Um, but I do agree with Laura. I think that maybe going putting money into education um, would be where I would focus if I if I was trying to make changes here in Ireland and just getting people more aware of um, of sustainability in general and um, how we can support locals and the importance of supporting local. That's where I would, if it was me, um, I would put my money yeah like and it, it it literally frustrates me so much like if i could shake the cfp curriculum in ireland mm -hmm. like it is the one kind of it, it is one big area that we have to reach secondary school kids i think but the i just and i know obviously it's changed since i like by the when i did my junior cert and i did cfp but i know schools now that are making it a non-mandatory examinable subject and I think that's really the kids don't care about it then and um, you're not really doing CSPE for the class that you go in so you're not really learning about your civic social political education and um, not that it, the, the curriculum was that great anyway but I think there's so much that can be done with that and like and I know kids these days are obviously a lot more aware like I have a younger brother and he would be a lot more aware a lot younger than I was about things like climate change and reduce, reuse, recycle, environmental issues and all that kind of stuff. And um, because the internet and everything like that. But I think there's there's such a gap there in the market. Um, so if anyone from the Department of Education is listening, you know, <laughs> sort out the CSPA curriculum. Because exactly. uh, they even brought in the politics and society for the Leaving Cert. Um, and that has such potential as well, but students aren't going to choose that if they don't really have a good base or understanding of what's expected of them in that course. If they don't really, because I remember CSP, like it was an absolute joke. Like we, yeah. yeah, like it was such a faff subject. And for someone that went on 
in their undergrad to do political science and now is really passionate about everything sustainability and so mm. but it's all self-taught um, yeah. or through my university education um so yeah I think there's there's and do you have what what would be kind of your because both of you focus more on education so what would be your kind of preferred platform do you think in terms of how how the government or how Ireland should approach that my opinion is true uh, school and true formal education when it comes to um when it comes and it is great there's a lot of information on the internet now and obviously i have my website and i'm on the internet but there's a lot of false information out there when you go and look in deep, deep dive and that's where a lot of the pressures are coming from as well and why people aren't making a lot of the changes because there is a lot of misguided information out there so i do think it needs to be um needs to be school-based in a lot of cases, just starting off, like not relying solely on the internet. Um, and now it's amazing to run campaigns on the internet and said I, I do stuff on the internet, but really starting in, in the school and ensuring that the information given to, to students is scientifically based and um, also as well, giving them the tools in order to be able to research things correctly, because I think that's where a lot of information falls down, where sometimes we don't get the tools of where to get information from and how to know if something is true or false on the internet and I think that's something that really needs to be taught in schools as well is, is how to know what has been said online is that is that where where did that person get that source from when they said that and um, that's where I would put my focus back in and, and getting it really from a young age I would even go primary school for stuff like that um, and getting it kind of obviously ingrained from a, a young age and then going through the junior cycle and leaving cycle, like you said. I think I think primary school as well, but to be honest, I think um, we're probably of similar age, but CSPE sounds the same, in my experience of it sounds the same as your own. Um, it was like you're DOS 40 minutes, to be honest, when you were in school. But um, I think even in primary school now, the kids are learning so much more then we actually even know, like my my younger sister that I mentioned earlier on, say she's 13 years younger than me. And I remember when just she was maybe four years old, she just started school and I was brushing my teeth and she came in and turned off the tap. So you don't need to have that on while you're brushing your teeth. So like they are learning these things in school because she definitely didn't learn that at home, <laughs> you know? Um, so I think the kids are probably educating the adults now, to be honest. So if they could just expand what they're teaching them in school to maybe teach them about things like, you know, fast fashion and people not being paid fair wages and things like that but they are teaching them about the environmental factors but I think they do need to bring into the primary schools more about the social factors as well. Yeah I think I think there's definitely a market there for that kind of say tailor education where they learn about the whole what sustainability is and it's not just the environment and there's all these sustainable development goals and you need to look at the social and the economic as well because like even like I can think off the top of my head, like even getting kids out there um, and getting someone from a local business in to talk through like yourself to talk through what goes into making your product and how you source local and how that really matters and what that means for you ethically in your business, but what that also means for the economy as well. And I think if you get that ingrained into kids a lot younger, they'll be more likely to form just these natural habits where they'll want to purchase local when they get older and stuff. Yeah, 
definitely. I think the, like, the primary children are like sponges, you know, they take so much in, um, even just like in terms of, you know, they're, they're learning about recycling in primary school. Like when we were in primary school, there was no such thing as a recycling bin. It, it, it was one bin in the corner and everything that went in there, your sandwiches, your wrappers, your tinfoil, everything. Um, now they're so, the small children are so much more clued in, you know, they'll actually ask you before they put something in the bin, is this the right bin, you know? So I think there is a lot of work being done, but definitely uh, we could do a lot more on the social side of it because it all seems to be concentrated around the environmental side of it. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, so this kind of brings us on nicely then to you. Um, so I will hand over to you both. If you just want to talk about, I know you're doing this amazing campaign and I know that Laura is a part of it, the Love Local campaign. So if you want to just give more information about that or how, like, how it's running, what it is, what the aim of it is, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, great. I can kick off, Laura, and then I might get you to join in so I'm not, I suppose, hogging the, the whole conversation. Um, but I suppose I decided a couple of months ago, I set up my, my website, as I stated, and um, I found with the website when I was launching the page, the amount of businesses who supported the page was I suppose to me, melt, meant so much to me. Um, like that similar, I've never met Laura before in person, um, but we've developed this great relationship online where I would chat back and forth, we send messages, and she's really been so supportive of me. And then I've set up my page now, and one of the key areas that I wanted, I suppose I wanted to focus in on is the economic pillar, which I've stated, and how important of supporting local is when it comes to the economic pillar and being more sustainable. And um, I kind of wanted to, I suppose as I said, I wanted to put my money where my mouth is. That's kind of like the, the quote that I, I'm using because I'm talking to people about supporting local and I'm, I'm saying to them, okay, you need to go out, you need to support local. Um, and, but then I'm not really, I'm, I'm sharing information online, but to me, supporting local means getting behind the business, buying their products, and showcasing their products and I suppose showcasing the people behind the products and that's what supporting local means to me. Now there's loads of ways you can do but to me I was like if I'm really going to be telling people how important the economic pillar of sustainability is and how important supporting local is I need to actually step up my game. So hashtag love local was formed where I was just sitting at home and I was like who are I suppose, who are the companies who have been so kind to me and have really, really helped me along the way? And um, I suppose there are six companies. So uh, Laura Love Jewels, and then there's a company, uh, a GUP, which are a sustainable uh, straw solution. So we know the legislation is going to be coming in around uh, plastic straws. So this is an alternative. Um, a lovely lady here, uh, which lives in the same community as me, Andrea Mears uh, Jewelry. Then there's uh, Kerry Kiefer, uh, then, uh, which is a manufacturer of Kiefer in, in Kerry. The, the name is a good, good slogan. Um, Nami Natural is a skincare range. And then Ocean Bloom is based in Cork and is also a skincare range. And these six companies were really kind to me. Even general things, if I was kind of looking for a bit of information around businesses, I know with Laura, when I reached out and I was looking at setting up the website, I was asking her questions and she got back to me straight away, even though 
she has her own business to run and she has so much on her plate. She was actually willing to take the time to get back to me and answer questions like that. So I reached out to all of them and I was like, listen, I have my platform now. I have a social media strategy. I have a Pinterest set up. I have my Twitter. I have Instagram. It's a small account. I'm not going to, I suppose they obviously all follow me. I don't have thousands of followers. I have what about three and a half thousand Instagram followers. And then with Pinterest, um, my views do vary with it. And I, I did want to be straight honest, but I said, I will use my platform to the best of my ability to, to promote you. And I suppose use the hashtag love local to get as much information about your company out there. So um, the key thing I did was I, I did an interview with all of them. So sent questions and finding out about who they are, what motivated them, their sustainability policies. And I'm going to feature um, each business at different periods over the next few months and put spotlights on the business. Uh, so Laura is featuring this week and um, going to put her interview up on my website and then I'll push it through Pinterest. I'll push it through um, my um, Instagram account and just really, I suppose, I really just wanted to show that what the businesses had did and how lovely they were to me it meant an awful lot to me. And I just wanted to give back to them without, I suppose, and, and saying it, every one of the businesses were really kind. They were saying, okay, we'll give you products or we'll gift you products and you can promote it that way. And I was like, no, if I'm, if I want to stand behind you and I want to promote you, I want to buy the products from you. So I have bought 30 euro worth of products from all six companies and um, at the end of the hashtag love local campaign, I'm going to run a competition um, for a lucky winner to win all the beautiful products from each of, of the companies so that they can hopefully become a new customer as well of, of the companies and try them out at home and fall in love with the products like I have fallen in love with them. And yeah, that, that was really the, the concept behind where love local came from. And hopefully... Um, kind of setting up tips for if you're somebody who has a platform and you want to do take part in love local how you can do it or if you're a small business and maybe you don't have the budget there to gift products or you don't have um you might have gifted loads of products at the beginning of the year or in 2019 but you don't have the budget this year how you can maybe approach people with platforms to get involved in love local and then just given the general public information about supporting local and how important it is to the Irish economy. And yeah, that, that was really the, the concept behind it. I, I just, it's something that you probably hear my voice. I'm so excited about doing it because I feel companies just don't, there's so many of them who go out of the way they work so hard and they gift a lot of products on social media. I just wanted to do the reverse for it. And I suppose, um, just give a little bit back was really the, the concept of hashtag love local. That's so lovely. I feel like both of us were like scheming in different parts of the country, like in different provinces, because I obviously came, like it was just per chance. Um, I think you said a friend mm -hmm. told you about my platform. I can't remember. You you contacted me um, through Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. I think you were on a Facebook page and Keelan from uh, Sunscribes Travel. She's fabulous. She's a, a great Irish um, travel blogger. She just sent me a message and she was like, um, Danny is looking for somebody to talk about sustainability and would you be interested? In it? So I got on to you straight away. I was like, I'd love to be part of this. So yeah, it was yeah. great to, to see. Yeah. And like, like my platform, um, just as, as listeners will know, if they know, like it's a lot more like my platform started from me um, wanting to kind of um, 
to um I can't think of the word now. Record, there we go, record my career tra trajectory and uh, qualifying as a barrister and stuff like that. But now that I've kind of done that, um, it's just now become more about my passions. And one of my passions is sustainability and the environment and stuff, and obviously um, access to education, educational disadvantage is, is the other kind of area. So now I'm just kind of modifying my platform to to kind of focus on that. And it's so interesting that you say just kind of companies that have reached out because I was really like I had done a conference previously when I was in my undergrad and I reached out to businesses that way to be involved in that conference. Just this was like it wasn't related to, to sustainability. It was basically trying to make a research attractive to students to show them all of the cool different ways that research could be used. Um, but even then I got overwhelming feedback just from tweeting people to be like, hi, I want to organize this conference. Would love to have you involved. Can I send you an email? Um, and this time around, I just contacted all the people, all the guests and everything that have been on the sustainable September. We would have spoken to each other maybe back and forth on Instagram. Uh, and some of them I would have never really, we've interacted on each other's posts but I've never met them. Um, like, I don't think I've, I, I've never met any of the guests that were on so far, my podcast so far in person. Um, and I think it's just really interesting that you kind of had a similar experience and so many amazing people came on board, um, including yourselves. Um, and yeah, it's just really overwhelming. And yeah, I, it's so funny hearing you talk about Love Local because I feel like both of us were just scheming up sustainable different provinces of Ireland <laughs> if only we had met sooner but uh yeah, yeah. start, but start I, of a good friendship now that's what we'll, we'll say we, we, we can get more scheming down the line and uh, uh, in the future hopefully I'm telling you I want like the sustainable sisterhood now I'm obviously <laughs> boys are allowed to um or whatever you identify <laughs> as, as allowed to but I've just met so many amazing people through running the kind of legal side of things so in terms of like putting a spotlight in different all different uh pe person's backgrounds and how they got into law and their experiences um and so many diverse range of people and on the flip side in terms of sustainability because it's if i was to harp on my friends all the time they'd probably be like oh she's just talking about sustainability again yep. but it's so nice to have that kind of group of people and have businesses that I can now go to and I, I know the person behind the business I think, I think that's um that that's definitely important as well sorry I'm rambling on now myself but uh, I'll hand over maybe Laura if you want to talk maybe from your perspective of being involved in the campaign and and yeah yeah okay so I think to be honest now Love Local is it's really just extracting the essence of being Irish really like everybody who is Irish world the worldwide is so proud to be Irish because we have such a good community and we've always been known for helping each other out. And when Irish people go abroad, the expats always stick together because of that community we have. So I think it's really just extracting the essence of being Irish. The Love Local campaign is an amazing idea. And um, Sarah has been just as supportive to, the, to my business as she says, I've been to hers, um, always ready to give an answer about any kind of question that I might have um, when I was trying to source my new product and um, packaging, etc. Sarah was always at hand to answer any questions and I'm sure the other business will say the same as well. Um, and I think that it's, it's like 
it's all about the support um, in the Irish community. And if, even if it's not about purchasing, like when Sarah put up her post and done her campaign, I was able to put um, share the link into a business group that I'm in of other Irish businesses and ask them all to start commenting and tagging people. And there was great traction on the post. So like people can be really supportive of the Irish community without ever spending a penny. Mm-hmm. But also it's fantastic if they are spending their hard-earned money that they put it back into the community. And I actually even seen one Irish business during the week, um, the Temple Wolf, I don't know if you know her. She, uh, Emma, she has actually now got her product onto an Australian website. And again, it's all about the Irish community abroad. So, you know, if you look at Irish people abroad, they're still coming, like they're still coming back to Ireland to buy from Irish businesses because we have such a strong community in Ireland and we really want to all support each other. Yeah, I know, definitely. Like one of, like, it, it's so nice. Like one of my colleagues actually that I work with and work, she has, I don't know if you've ever come across it. It's um Totally Irish Gifts. It's um a, just a, a website um, online, but she, it's basically all she sells is Irish businesses, but locally kind of sourced Irish businesses. So it's all different. Like she has um, things from commemorative pieces. So the anything kind of to do with like 1916 and stuff like that, mm-hmm. to the constitution, to more kind of like, um, like she has these gorgeous uh, forget-me-not lockets um, and that are locally sourced. Um, I would have ordered a pen from her and the wood for the pen is sourced, it's from a company in Donegal and they source the wood themselves and then they carve it and you can get it engraved as well. So I think we're, we're amazing for it. Mm-hmm. And now is, I think, the really good time to kind of yeah. get into that supporting local because it's how supporting local and doing what we do best in helping each other is how we're going to get through a obviously this current health pandemic and crisis but also we also now have an economic crisis on our hands because obviously the 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 um we everyone has financially taken a huge hit including small businesses so i think this is the time that that we really kind of need this campaign Another really positive thing um, that I took from COVID and it kind of, it, but it definitely ties into Love Local. Um, I loved hearing on the news that the smog had cleared in China, the birds were singing again, the fish were back in the canals in Venice. And that really, that was the kick up the bum that I got to really reduce what I was putting out there, really think about the environment. And, you know, I had already been working on the social aspect of it and working with somebody local to produce the bracelet but that was you know that was really like the my eye opener as to like be aware of what you're putting out there um whether it's in terms of what you're buying with your money or whether it's in terms of what you're producing and selling and um, whether you're a consumer or a business that for me was really just like to see everybody you know in lockdown back in their own local community and the benefits of that on the wider world um, it was just so drastic. It really was an eye opener, a positive eye opener for me. Um, and I think it really ties back into the Love Local campaign. Yeah, that's so true, Laura. That was actually brilliant to see that during, obviously, COVID 19 was such a, I suppose, a difficult time. But there was areas like that, which there was in the midst of it, some positive news stories linked to the environment, which was really, really nice to see. Um, 
and I do think it kind of gave people a little bit more awareness and even like that people have um, since COVID-19 the, the the want to support local um, has increased dramatically. I, I get a lot of messages about supporting local and how supporting local can be sustainable and why is it sustainable and people just wanting to get the, the background of it. So um, even though very difficult time, there was, I suppose, a, a few positives to come out of it when it comes to, to businesses and sustainability. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. Like it's, it's um, like it is, I think that, like obviously everything that happened with the with the pandemic and everything that's currently still happening is um is awful. But I think one of the good things that did come out of it, and I know we we're speaking about it before we, we came onto the podcast, was that remote working. It, it's that kind of slowing down. Mm-hmm. I think for everyone, for yourself, kind of Laura, in your business and for people to kind of more focus on, well, I can only go a two kilometer radius, so I'm going to support local because that's who I have to purchase from. Um, other than purchasing things online. And then obviously people kind of reacted um, the way I think they should have in terms of when the story broke about the fast fashion industry in the UK. And I think I think that slowing down has been one of the, the good things to kind of come from this whole period and it's something that I hope stays and remains um in particular say even people realizing because like I love travel personally um but it's made me yeah it's made me appreciate staying in Ireland more and seeing the things around me so even that that kind of aspect and understanding how that how I can reduce, say, my carbon footprint by choosing not to go away each year and choosing not to do this and choosing to stay kind of local rather instead. Yeah, and even like yesterday, it was so nice, as I said to you before, we came on the podcast, it was so nice when I went out for something to eat. Yeah, it wasn't as busy as it would have been pre-COVID, like, but there was, it was still nice to see people willing to wrap up and eat outside just to support the local business because it would have been just as easy to order a takeaway and stay in the warm indoors in your house. You know, but there's you have to try and like, you know, supports the businesses that are staying open as well. So that that's, I think, definitely community spirit is up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I, I agree. I would agree with Laura as well. I've seen such a, a massive, I suppose, um, even the way I know my mom works in a local supermarket at home. And she was saying even people coming in, like how they greet her now and everything is, is different. That like people are so much lighter and nicer and lovely and just and then people just really want to she said there's like there's an atmosphere there that people want to be supporting now and asking like how are you getting on and how is that like just maybe questions that might have been asked previously are now being asked and I know even myself I would always hope and I know my my mom and dad would would have placed it into me to be always so polite uh going into the likes of supermarkets and stuff but even I find now I go out of the way to like ask that extra question and kind of just very simply, just how's your day been going and how's it been since you've been back? And there's that even atmosphere, I'm noticing a lot more people doing that as well. Um, so like what Laura's saying, even if it's not spending your, your money or um, there's so many ways that we can support local and even doing something as simple as that, being polite or not being on your mobile phone or and, and just being nicer to people um, in local businesses. Uh, it's definitely something that I'm seeing and I'm noticing a lot more um, around the place and it, it, it's quite I suppose it's quite warming to see that 
Yeah, and then I'm really conscious to try and spread it out as well. I know we all have our favourites, and you know, to try and like give everybody a bit, a little bit of business rather than sticking with your favourites because everybody yeah. really, you know, needs it at the moment. You know, I mean, it must be so disheartening even for like when I went up to the local pub yesterday and we sat outside and ate. Like there would normally be a team of waiting staff and there was three people in the whole place that were working there like can you imagine how disheartening it would be for them to go in for a day's work and you know maybe have to serve 20 percent of the people that they would have served previously you know even just to try and keep morale up it's good to try and spread it the business around a little bit sure yeah no definitely um so i'm sorry i just realized we've been talking for so long not that that's a bad thing at all um but um just one thing i kind of want to finish on um which i think would be good and i know you've kind of reflected throughout it um especially with the love local and then laura you talking about your own kind of sustainable business journey if you were listening now from either a person's perspective of i want to be more sustainable and support more local businesses or if you're a person who's like i really want to start my own business and i'd love to do it in a sustainable way but i don't know where to start what would be both of your kind of tips for people Um, so maybe either of you whoever wants to start so sorry i'll, I'll say it again because i said it in the most confusing way ever so if you are a person who wants to kind of support more locals, start their sustainable journey, or kind of take the next step in their sustainable journey, what would be your three tips for them, say, and what would be some tips for if you were a person who's listening, who's in the process of, or thinking about setting up a um, their own business, what would be, and they want to do it in a sustainable manner and don't know where to start, what would be your tips for them? Uh I can take the, the first round anyways in terms of just some simple, uh, simple tips for starting off on your sustainability journey. And the key thing that I always would say, don't get overwhelmed with sustainability. There's so many elements that you can tackle um, when it comes to learning about sustainability and focus on something small. So pick one area that, and, and start with that and educate yourself as much as you can in, in that. So whether it's you want to become more sustainable by supporting local, figure out why you're supporting local um, sustainable option, uh, learn a bit more about the economic pillar and how the economic pillar feeds into the other two pillars and just start small because there's so much information online at the moment around sustainability that we can easily get bombarded and then get overwhelmed. But if you take one small change, just do one, if you decide for maybe every day, I know back in February, I did a challenge and it was, um, I made one small sustainable change in every day in February. And that was moving away from uh, using plastic bottles to using my um, uh, my reusable plastic bottle, using keep cups, uh, shopping in farmer's markets once a month, just made changes. And I figured out some of them I could sustain and they worked for me and other ones I couldn't. And I didn't feel guilty about the ones that I couldn't sustain. So I couldn't sustain shopping only at farmer's markets because I couldn't afford to do that. I, I needed to shop in my local supermarket, but I didn't feel guilty about it. So the, the, the key thing is learn, try and apply it. And then if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Move on, try something else. There's loads of avenues when it comes to sustainability and never feel guilty when it comes to 
trying your best and making a sustainable change. Just do what you can and um, keep it simple. That's that's what I would say to everybody. Um, and from a business perspective, if you wanted to start a business and you wanted it to be sustainable and you didn't know where to start, um, I suppose, it's, it, as Sarah said, keep it simple, you know, lean. Um, what it, What's your minimum viable product is what the, the term that's used when you're looking at lean business. Um, like, what is the absolute minimum that you need to sell? You know, what do you, what's the absolute minimum you need to produce or purchase? Um, into your business in order to be able to sell your product out of your business so you know don't overdo it keep it simple and that would be the first tip and the second tip would be reach out to other businesses because everybody that i've ever talked to on instagram or in person at networking events but i know they're all cancelled at the moment but you know everybody is always very very helpful um a wealth of information and you know then I suppose the third one would just be like, go with what works for you, because just because everybody is saying my package is recyclable, you know, okay, that's an easy one, it's probably a bad example. It's easy to get recycled packages. But just say, for example, that wasn't something that worked for you. Um, then you have to do what works for you and just counterbalance it in another area if that's not something that works for you. Um, so I suppose there are three easy, easy enough ways to be sustainable in a business. Amazing. Um, and do you know, this might not be something kind of, um, you might be familiar with, or, or maybe, maybe you are, are there any kind of, um, like particular grants out there or, or like aimed at businesses that are say environmentally friendly or, so do you know the way you have like Enterprise Ireland and stuff? Um, or, or was there any kind of, supports that you found useful might not necessarily be monetary. I know you said you reached out to to other kind of small businesses. Are, is there anything in particular that, that would have assisted you in starting your business? Um, in terms of grants for sustainability, no, I've never had any um, grants for sustainability, but there were grants during COVID in terms of um, like the, the continuity voucher. It's not running anymore now, it's just during COVID. But like that, you could use it for con con consultants. <laughs> um, so, you know, you could have you could have used that for a sustainability sustainability consultant if you wanted to. Um, there was also a grant, um, the Lean Business Grant, that again has finished as well, and that was um, where you could get funding for your business um, to become leaner whether it was in terms of your actual product becoming leaner or your practice, your business practices becoming leaner um, and more efficient. So there are two that would have been indirectly um, available to use for sustainability purposes, but um, I don't know of any grant that is particularly aimed at businesses for being sustainable. Um, you, I know there is the feasibility grant and the priming grant and the expansion grant that you can get through your local enterprise office and consultants can be taken into account, as, you know, to say for the feasibility study, if you're looking at a product and it is a sustainable, you know, it's in a sustainable market and you want to talk to consultants about that, you can include their fee when you're applying for the grant. Amazing. And um, 
it seems as well. Um, hopefully I'm just in the process of putting together pieces for the sustainability hub, but I hope to also include um, pieces on um, sustainable business and obviously all different things. And then obviously there's Sarah's website as well, um, which is a huge resource. Um, definitely and I, I hope to kind of reflect that in some sense in mine and then also do some more kind of legal pieces as well um but I think definitely there there are quite a lot of resources out there and even I think the big thing to take away is just from this chat in general is to keep it simple and don't be too hard on yourself um and then the other thing is don't be afraid to reach out to people so if you are really confused about something to do with sustainability like I know personally my dms are always open I'm by no means an expert um but or someone that you might follow that seems to always post really good advice like don't be afraid to message them on Instagram or any other platform or if you're wanting to start a business reach out to, to a small kind of local business and ask them how they got started on their journey um and they might be able to talk you through the the first initial steps but yeah so just thanks so much to both of you. Um, I've taken a huge chunk of your evening, um, but it's been absolutely, like I could literally just talk about this for, for days on end. Um, it's been absolutely wonderful to have both of you on. Thank you so much for having um, having me on. Anyways, Danny, it's been so lovely and I can't believe we've been on for an hour and a half. That is, uh, I, I've taken so much from this conversation as well from both of you. It's just been really such a nice be like we said earlier to have somebody that you can talk to sustainability about um hopefully yeah it's been it was so lovely thank you yeah thank you very much for having having myself on anyway and thank you very much sarah for putting me in contact again the small business community the local community the instagram community there's just so so many um good connections you know so thank you very much Amazing. So just before we um, wrap up fully, if you guys want to maybe give a shout out to your socials or where people can find you um, on different platforms. Uh, yes, yeah, so my website is the sustainabilitystrategy.com and you it's connected to all of my social medias, but the one I'm most active on is my Instagram, which is Sarah underscore Jane underscore Keen. And my website is lovejewels dot com l-o-v-e-j-o-o-l-s dot com and my instagram and facebook are love jewels and they're connected through my website as well